This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello, and welcome to Line Dance Podcast. What is Thank your name? Thank you. My name is Jean Gar, and I appreciate your coming to visit our event and DJ. What event is this? This is the Line Dance Marathon. What would you say is your primary role in the line dance community specifically at line dance marathon well i am one of the event directors my my partner is scott levens Mm -hmm. uh this is the 26th year and um it's just a good time and we try to make it uh so that everyone enjoys everything and we have a top instructors top djs of which thank you very much for joining our staff Thank you for having me. And um, it's it's just, um, it's a lot of work. You know, we start working on it the year before. Mm-hmm. And it's, I have a, a great staff that helps get me, I do the work and I say, make it happen. Mm-hmm. And they make it happen. Mm-hmm. Now you say this all starts a year before. What are some of the first things that you do on the road to the next marathon. Deciding what the theme is going to be. Mm. And it's not just a, a one evening theme. It's an entire weekend theme. The, um, the flyer, the decorations. Uh, it's, um, it's just the whole thing, a whole kit and caboodle. Mm. What inspired you to create an event? Years ago, when we started this back in the in the late eighties, uh, we were teaching at uh, the the Long Branch Saloon in Raleigh, North Carolina. My partner and I, mm. and um, we were doing videos and going into the school systems and teaching line dances to the physical education instructors. And we ran out of dances. Most of the dances, nobody knew who choreographed them or if we were teaching them correctly. So I started hunting them up. And um, this was before um, email. It was snail mail. It was faxes. It was telephone calls. And I would find dances. I would contact the instructor. And I created a format that my partner could understand, could read. And I would type it up, send it to the, to the choreographer, please proof this. They'd make the corrections, send it back. I'd make the corrections for them, send it back, get their approval, and put it in a dance book. And I had seven volumes of about over 800 dances that I sold over a couple of years' period of time. Um, and we were doing videos. We did a lot of videos of the dances. And we decided to have a workshop. So I got some of the instructors, and we had a workshop at the uh, one day at the Long Branch, brought in the instructors. They could only teach their own choreography. They could not teach someone else's choreography. And uh, we had about 160 people that year for a one-day workshop, so we decided to do it again. And we did it a few years at the Long Branch, and then they decided not to let us use the facility anymore, so we went to a little town in eastern North Carolina called Ahoski hmm. for a few years. And then we went to the North Raleigh Hilton, knew that we had outgrown it before we even got in there. And we came to the Sheraton and we've been here since 2000. And uh, the event has grown. The first year we were here, we had a thousand people, which was a total nightmare. But uh, it, you know, it's, um, it's a labor of love. It's a labor of love. 
and um, Scott came in and he decided I he said he'd like to help and I said Scott Blevins will you help you know and he's my partner now and it works out really great he talks to the instructors and I do all the other stuff do you recall who some of those early instructors were oh yeah um, Debbie O'Hara she had choreographed a dance she's from Canada and uh, she had choreographed a dance and for the life of me all I can remember it had the word east in it I've got to look it up but someone had gone to Canada learned the dance went back to their hometown I believe it was in Florida couldn't remember the name of the dance couldn't really remember all the steps and called it the Canadian stomp Mm. and it traveled up the east coast until it got to us and then I do a lot of investigating and I've got uh, um, a lot of them were local instructors uh, in the area. Um, she's the one that really sticks out in my brain. Um, and then um, we were we got involved in the UCWDC, and uh, we they started hiring us to DJ and teach. And we did that for a long time, and uh, we went in as an affiliate with the UCWDC, but um, I'd say about five years, and I judged, and we taught and DJed at all of their events. There were were some that we did not, but the majority of them we did. And then we we left there and went out on our own, and uh, just, it's been a good ride. It's been a good ride. When did you connect with USLDCC, the new organization? Well, I've, Jen Cameron, one of the event directors, is a, quote, adopted daughter of mine. Mm. We adopted her back at Cocoa Beach years ago with another young lady. Um, I've known Scott since the early 90s. First time we ever saw him was in South Bend, Indiana. So it's just, you know let's do this let's get together let's have a competition okay you know i will i've known him he's worked my event um the first time i ever met will guyton monday introduced me to him he says talk to him about you know being an instructor an international or on the road instructor and I spent almost an hour trying to talk him out of it. I said, <laughs> your life is going to be upside down. Well, he did not listen to me, you know. But um, the, um, they, got, they got together. They made the rules. We all put an in, in, had input into the rules. And so here we are, you know. And uh, it's been about five years, six years. So the championship came here, and so we didn't have to have the other, you know, the preliminary competitions. Hmm. So it's been, you know, this was good. This was a good competition. So uh, when you said that you got together and you all had input in the rules for the competition, did some of that maybe become influence from your judging with the UCWDC prior? Yeah, because Jen, Jen competed mm-hmm. in UCWDC competition, and Scott and I both judged. So we knew what we liked, we knew what we didn't like, and so we, you know, it was our creation, our collaboration. And um, the uh, explanation of the 
dance steps. I suggested that we put that in because a lot of these people don't know what a lot of the dance step. They know the name, but they really don't know what it is or how to do it. And but basically, we all put it, put our had our input. We all proofed it, made some changes, made some suggestions. Some came in, some went out. So, but I think the rules are pretty good right now. You know, hopefully. Two questions that I have: one more specific, and one maybe more abstract. Um, one is the name, Line Dance Marathon. As mm-hmm. far as I uh, have heard, the name has not always been Marathon, no. and I'm curious mm-hmm. where that came from. And then the more abstract question is, what components would you say make for a successful and fun event uh, like Marathon? But yeah. go ahead and get the specific one. The very first workshop we had, we called it the Jammin' Jammy Jam. <laughs> wow, I like that. And I don't remember the next two, but then we had, um, one of our logos was these three, you know, the little trucking man cartoon, mm. have you ever seen it, mm. with the hat and the boot? Mm. Keep on trucking. So we had, yeah, we had, those were our, that was our logo, there were three of them, and it was you, me, and JG2. James Gregory and I, we had the same initials, so we were known as JG2. No one knew what our name was, just, you know, hey, JG, you know. At first, some people would call it JG Squared. No, it's on the same line. It's not a superscript. And I think it was about, I don't know, the fourth or fifth one, we decided to call it JG Line Dance Marathon, well, the JG2 Line Dance Marathon. And it stayed like that for a long time until we, di- we separated. So then it became JG. And then when Scott and I came in, we decided just, you know, it's the line dance marathon. So it's basically been kind of the same, but it's evolved. It's, it, just like our three little fellas, my three little fellas on the logo now, they've matured. They've grown up. So the name of the event has grown up. And does the marathon, uh, oh, what would you say, noun or indicator, does that um, suggest, from what I've heard, like the late night aspect? or It's, it's nonstop. Ah. You know, instead of, we had, used to have five workshops. They would be paid workshops, and there would be free workshops. And it would start in the morning, and it would continue through the night. And we've, we've shortened the time amount. But by the same token, they're still getting nonstop. We don't repeat dances. It's just one dance after another that the instructors have choreographed or that they've seen on the road and they like and they want to teach. Um, And, of course, our DJs, they have full reign. If you want to stay up all night long, as long as you've got someone on the floor and you want to keep it going, go ahead. Hotel does not have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it because I'm going to bed. <laughs> and if y'all want to stay up all night, that's fine, you know. But it, it, it's just nonstop, you know, and, and I think people have a good time. Having a good staff is what makes an event a success. Hmm. Um, I feel I have a fantastic staff. Uh, Franny, she runs the volunteer room, and also she looks after the instructors. 
Um, she will keep me in line sometimes when I come up with some weird things. Richard will go around and check to make sure that the ballrooms are well policed, you know, with keeping things clean and the uh, water. And if anything's problem with the floor or if someone needs something, then they contact him and he will contact the hotel staff. Kathy, uh, she is our registration coordinator. And um, as I said, I work on it all year long. And when it's done, it's here, make it happen. And I basically don't have anything to do but sit around and, and aggravate everybody. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's good. And they know what their job is. And I don't have to tell them what to do. Um, it's, it's just, it's a good staff. It's a good staff. Is there anything that, well, I guess this is a two-part question. Is there anything specific to Marathon that you think has given it its longevity compared to other events that maybe you know, have had a two- or three-year run and then kind of stopped? And then also, what would you like to see for Marathon in the future? Well, I don't know. Um, I think, I would like to think that uh, our staff our instructors, our DJs are what keeping people coming back. It does come in the middle of the year, which is a good time. Uh, it's after Memorial Day weekend, so people, you know, they maybe still want to continue to travel. Um, I really don't know, other than the fact that people have a good time. Uh, I think our format is good, and I like to think that people have copied. Oh, <laughs> that's not nice but um but i think it's i really don't know why it has longevity other than the fact that we have good instructors we have a good location the hotel is fantastic it's like family you come home you know you come to visit once a year um I would like to see the marathon continue forever, even after I'm gone. And Scott told me that he's going to try to do that. But I've also let him know I'm in no big hurry. <laughs> I'm going to be 80 this summer. And um, I think I've got enough energy that might take me another couple of years. My mother was 102 when she passed a few years ago. So maybe, maybe those genes are in me. But, it, you know, I think you have to like what you're doing. You have to love what you're doing. And I love this. I don't dance anymore. I don't travel anymore. But I still love working on the event and having the event and seeing people that I haven't seen in a long time. And, you know, I remember faces. Sometimes I don't connect the names. But it's, um, it's something that I look forward to every year. Something you mentioned about format reminded me that in the Bay Area, we attend a couple of different line dance clubs. There's Boots and Buckles and Country Quick Steppers, and they have a format uh, for requests where they have the names of all the dances and then little boxes where you can initial your request. That way the DJ can quickly see this person has a, this, this dance has a lot of requests and this one only has a couple, so maybe I'll get to that one later. And we have borrowed that format for our own teaching at country bars in, uh, in our area in Sonoma County at uh, Hot Monk Tavern and Twin Oaks Roadhouse. And I think by learning from what has worked 
in other places that um, that you know in this case uh, with requests has made uh, the DJ's lives a lot easier. We have been able to kind of streamline the request process for ourselves. And the more we can share that format with others, then uh, the, the more successful everybody's line dance night could possibly be. So I think it's great that when something works really well, um, it's available for everyone to learn from and possibly um, use to make the, the overall night a success. Well, the um, years ago, the dance scripts people would see a dance, no one knew who choreographed it, and they'd write it down on a napkin. I can remember the first dance script that I wrote, polka, three steps to the right, one, two, three. I mean, if that's, how do you know what you're doing? And so it was just a matter of explaining how to do the step, and then giving, if it's gonna make a turn, what clock is it looking at and it it works so however format whatever genre you're working in if you have something that you can use as a guide then it helps you and help possibly it helps someone else mm -hmm. because I look at the step sheets that come in and I like the idea that the majority of them are using basically the same format and as long as the format is legible, people are going to change it a little bit anyway, which doesn't matter. But it's, it's a kind of an easy way to follow. You know, give them, tell them what they're supposed to do. Just don't say step to the right and left and the right. Say, you know, behind and front. It works. And there are people that can't follow a step sheet, but I think they can follow that mine. And I know my dance partner, he could not read a step sheet. Of course, the step sheets were very confusing back then anyway, you know. And there were no levels. You go into the bar and you teach whatever they want you to teach. I think the first dance I ever learned was, um, it was kicking, uh, what was it? Kicking, kicking the blues. It was kicking the blues. Mm. And I thought, oh my God, if it gets any harder than this, I'm not coming back. <laughs> and it took about three tries to learn the dance because one, my feet did not know that they were left and right. And all of a sudden I'm telling them to do what? So it takes time for that muscle memory to come in. And after you get used to it, oh my gosh, this is not too bad. But we also came in at right, I'd say a while, maybe two years before the achy breaky. And this was when country was big. And three nights a week, we were teaching that dance at the Long Branch with 300 people on the dance floor. And they had to make the floor bigger to accommodate all the people that were coming in. So that's when we started. And I'd like to brag on myself a little bit. In January, the United Country Western Dance Council presented me with a Pioneers in Country Western Dance Award. Congratulations. Thank you. That's so huge. That was a nice surprise when they called and said, you know, we need your bio. And I went, I got to brag on myself? Yeah. So, okay, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a very nice, very nice award. In fact, I had it here this weekend for people to look at. But um, it's, this has been fun. This is, you know, it, it gives you energy. 
and uh, I, and I watch people growing up. Like some of my staff, some of these dancers, I remember when they were in their late teens, early 20s, and um, I haven't gotten older, but some of them have. You know? <laughs> but it's 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 been it's been fun to to see people the same people many times over the years, and um, it, it's you know and give them enjoyment, which which makes me feel good, which gives me enjoyment. So. So now this is actually our first time at the marathon, and. Like many uh, situations, we find ourselves asking why we haven't been here before, uh, because it's been an absolute treat to be here, just so you know. Thank you. Uh, But I was curious because I was told that you guys don't normally do as many workshops on Thursdays, but you still do workshops on Mm -hmm. Thursdays, which is not as commonly found in your weekend events. What inspired you to have the workshops starting on Thursday? Well, I, you know, people would come in early, and we could get the hotel for that day. We originally um, started, only had three workshops on Thursday because we would allow the vendors to set up in a closed ballroom without any interruptions. Um, but we would stop start later in the afternoon, and then we decided to change it earlier. Um, People will come in on Wednesday night so that they can be ready at noon now. Um, it just evolved that way that, you know, we had Thursday workshops and Friday workshops and Saturday workshops and Sunday workshops and it's a marathon, you know. Go out there and by the end of the day, first day and a half, we expect you to be totally brain dead. <laughs> By Saturday, your feet should be screaming at you and telling you to stop. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now has, I guess I should rephrase it a little bit. Tonight, there is a party, a dance party with the pool. You've ordered pizza. Has that always been a thing or is that really? Absolutely. Absolutely. Where did that inspiration come from? Well, we had some people that were staying, that we realized were staying over. So I said, well, let's not end the party. Let's have a pizza party and more dancing, and the hotel has enough rooms. This is the really neat room. We used to have workshops in here, um, but we decided not to use it anymore for a few years. It's right outside by the pool. So we decided to have a pizza party. And the first year that we did the pizza party, we just said, come on in at 8 o'clock, and we've got pizza. Well, we didn't put an end time. And some <laughs> gentleman came in about 9.30, and he was not happy that we did not have a pizza left. So we had to go out and buy him a pizza. So from that time on, 8 to 8.30, or as long as the pizza lasts. And then I'll serve with, um, with Richard until about 8.30, and then you're on your own until the pizza's gone. Whatever, I bring, um, I have cookies and crackers and drinks and candy for my staff. Whatever is left when we get ready to close up on Sunday, I bring in here this fruit and drinks left over, so that, and plus the water the hotel provides. And um, whatever, you know, whoever is here, they're welcome to it. I'm not taking it home. (laughs) Nice. Um, 
Now, one of the things that I have experienced throughout the many different events I've attended has to do with every event has its own thing that it brings to it. Not only are you nonstop, like you've spoken about, you also have the party, but you also happen to put on a spectacular performance. Can you maybe share a little bit more about that or how that came to be? Originally, the instructors would just perform. Brian Barakoskis would be here, and he was world champion many, many times, the UCWDC. He would do a showcase dance. John Robinson would do a showcase dance. Joe Thompson, when she was here, she would do a showcase dance. Each instructor, Johnny Two-Step, he would also do a, a showcase. Um, one year, Johnny um, and Malcolm White borrowed the competition waltz outfits from a couple of young ladies, and they did a waltz. No one knew it was guys until they turned around, and the first wall they did was straight, and then they went crazy, and the place erupted. In, I mean, it was hysterical. This went on for a number of years. Then when Scott became my partner, we, he decided, why don't we just do a skit related to the theme? And I said, well, that's your baby. So out of his brain comes these fantastic shows. I have no part of that, that's his. In fact, he doesn't even let me know what's going on. Although he will tell me, I need this, I need that. He, this year, he, called, he texted me, he says, I need a camel. <laughs> I said, you ain't getting a camel in that ballroom. <laughs> he said, no, I need a camel. I said, no. Nah. Well, I didn't realize he was joking. So I went out and got him a camel. She's 6'2", she's gold, her name is Cher Harazad. <laughs> so we packed her up and we might take her on the road next year and make her one of Dr. Seuss's characters. But, um, and, you know, he, I, that's his, you know, he let, I don't see it until I sit down and the show starts. And it's, it, it, he surprises me with what comes out of, that, out of that brain of his. Sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's a little on the warp side, you know. <laughs> For those who are thinking about maybe attending or definitely attending next year and would like to reach out to you, what is the best way that they could get in contact with you? They should go to our website, mm -hmm. which is thelinedancemarathon.com. Mm -hmm. uh, on that, not right now, um, it'll, be a, it'll be a bit, but um, we will have um, app, the registration form. Mm -hmm. There will be a, a, an event schedule. Uh, towards the end of the week before the event, we'll have a um, we'll have the regular schedule on there. But there's a contact number and name email for either me and or Scott. Perfect. And um, all they have to do is just reach out or send in the registration. We have early registration where we have a VIP pass where they would get uh, the whole weekend pass. Um, first choice seating um, in the ballroom for the show. They get a book and they get a t-shirt. Mm -hmm. And then we have the all access pass. The, the VIP pass is good. You can uh, register with that up until February 1st. Mm -hmm. 
and um, or you know you can get on the email email me and I'll get back with you if I don't get back to you within 24 hours you know that I didn't get it because I will answer as quickly as I can you know before our last little micro question are there any last parting words that you'd have for the entire line dance community anything you'd like us all to think about while we're listening to this in our cars or showers or wherever um, I'm not too sure. It's it's mainly it's it's fantastic exercise. Mm. You, we get a lot of doctors and nurses and teachers, and it's a, a fantastic stress reliever. Um, and it's a good time. I think everyone should try to find uh, a line dance class. There aren't there many in clubs anymore, um, but find a line dance class. They have them in senior centers. They mm. have them. Uh, in uh, communities, various adult communities, and just go. You know, you're not going to be perfect. No one's perfect unless you take years and years of dance. Um, but it's it's good exercise, and it's a lot of fun, and you meet a lot of really nice people. And you don't have to wear a cowboy hat or a pair of cowboy boots. Final question, is there one line dance that you would recommend that everyone learn right now? It's a very old beginner level dance that I think we taught at least a million times, and it's called swinging. Hmm. And I have no idea who choreographed it. Um, I don't even know if it's on Kick It. I choreographed um, a couple of hundred dances, but um, if they want a copy of that dance, um, if they'll just email me. Uh, the line dance marathon at gmail.com and ask me to send them a copy of swinging i will be more than happy to it's a fun dance fantastic well thank you very much for taking the time to sit with us here at line dance podcast uh, until next time this is megan barcelia and christopher gonzalez and i appreciate your asking me you're welcome until then we will see, see you, you on, on the, the dance, dance floor, floor.